If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Claire Wickens is our guest again today, and Claire's got 10 strategies to prepare for the dressage competition. Hi Claire, how are you? Very well, thank you, Glennis. Claire, just wanted to know now why you've chosen this particular subject and talk about these strategies for a dressage competition. I mean, you compete and ride a lot yourself, but anything in particular that you've seen the need for this? Do you see people not preparing and not doing a good job of this? Yes, I do. And when clients come, they just before a competition, they often want to help with the test. And um, it's something that I've spent many years helping people with. And yeah. I've also learned from my errors. And, yes. <laughs> you know, every t- still, still now, 30 years later, I'm still learning every time I compete. Sure, sure. All right, well, let's start off with the first one. Let's learn the test backwards. Yeah, it's very important to not be guessing what the next movement is, but to know the test thoroughly and to also know where the marks are and sort of not overthink that we always, the horses have weaknesses, we have weaknesses, and sometimes people work too hard on the weaknesses. There's so many simple marks, like, for example, an entry has so much in it. And then, say, in a preliminary or novice test, there'll be 10 marks for trot walk or walk trot. Mm -hmm. That's a really simple... If if you know that that's 10 marks, it's an easy eight. Yes, It's much easier to get an eight for walk trot than it is for centre line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to know where the coefficients are. And it's so costly to make an error, like not only the deduction of the points, but the fact that you lose your concentration and your momentum. Yep. And also the horse, once you stop, um, if you've totally lost your way, you know, the, the horse can become distracted by the other horses or whatever's going on. It's often really hard to get that momentum back. <laughs> good, good. Now you've talked about learning the test backwards, but also practicing the test. That's number two. Um, I find learning the test easy, but some people don't. So then it's important to practice the test. And mm-hmm. you can practice the test in so many ways. You can practice the test running around your lounge room floor yep. or running around your paddock. But if you can ride through the test yourself, if you're lucky enough to have another horse or you can borrow a friend's horse, then ride through the test on a different horse. And the horse doesn't even need to be the same level. Okay. I've ridden on a three, four-year-old to like an advanced test. I might not do a half pass. I might go across the diagonal where the half pass is. Yes. Yes, but at least you know the pattern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's like what I said for the first point about learning the test backwards. Yep. And if if you have a horse that anticipate, you don't need to ride the test from the beginning to the end. You could ride the trot movements. Okay. Yep. And then and then 20 minutes later, you could do your, your, the canter movements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So you could you could write parts of the test every day, or you could flip the test. You could turn left instead of right. Because if you know the test that well, that you can invert it. Do you know what I mean? You could do yes. the canter first, and then the walk, and then the trot, and you can do it back to front mirror image. Then you're not going to go wrong on the day. All right, good, good. Now I know sometimes you know we all get a bit nervous, and you've got the next point is trying too hard and cooking the horse, and you've got a bad story about that. Do, do you want to tell <laughs> us the story and tell us why you put that one in? I think a lot of riders would know when the pressure comes on. If it's a championships, uh, state, national, CDI, we all get very intense. And like I said in the first point, you might concentrate on the weaknesses. And then what was just a little blip actually becomes, you know, a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And the horse will have like quite gross resistance coming into that movement. You can't change it the week before. Yep. You know, some of the things need three months or six months or 12 months. And sometimes that's just where you are on, on the day. You know, and you've got to go, I have a weakness in the tempi changes or I have a weakness in the caterpillarate, but I've got to look at the big picture. The mm-hmm. horse is better connected and it's straighter and it's more engaged and it's more sitting. So, I mean, if you can't change it in a week, then leave it well alone. And same on the day. Don't, in the warm-up, if you have a problem with the pirouettes, don't do 50 of them in the warm-up. Don't okay, do yes, yes, yeah, okay. Just, yep, just yep. leave it alone. And um, it, at the... Sydney CDI in 2000, my horse HRH won the Police St George and got a phenomenal score, got 72.8. It had rained for about six weeks and everybody, I had a, HRH is a very volatile horse, so I just went, you know what, you can have a holiday for a couple of weeks. And then I was lucky enough to have a bit of a trail down the back of my property, half of it was arable and half was bush, so it, everywhere was completely flooded. So I just rode him up and down the trail and around the paddocks and around the laneways of the paddocks and I went to the competition and he was fresh mm-hmm. and that's why he did so well. And so many other riders were trying to do the right thing and they were floating their horses and taking them into arenas and stuff and the horses were sour and cooked and people said, oh, my horse got a girth or my horse is a bit foot sore or my horse has got a sore back. Yeah. And they tried to do the right thing but the horses had had it by the time the competition came along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mine was, was a bit of luck, really. It was fresh. Yeah, yeah, because it takes a lot of work just to say I'm going to load up my horse, travel somewhere. And if you're doing it day after day, it's a lot of work for you. So it's got to take its toll on the horse. Yeah, it's just shaking them out. They get, they anticipate. We don't, we don't know what goes on in their head or their no. stomach or, you know, how it affects them. But yeah, and if you do, if you totally change their routine a couple of weeks before, if it if it rains for a couple of days, like I said before, you can't change it. Yep. Unless yep. you've got a really hot horse, but then you can you can change that by the amount of protein you feed it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it rains, I don't feed my horses as much hard feed. Okay. You can be a little bit sensible in other ways. Yes. Yes. All right, now number four, we've talked about cooking your horse, but number four is to take your horse out the week before so that they do get that little bit of time out. Yeah, well, I I really like riding stallions and mares, mm-hmm. and they are a little bit more precious than a gelding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then you've just got to learn, you know, to handle that. And I find I've got a really lovely, quiet um, stallion, T.S. Wicked, but he is a lot sharper at a competition because he's suddenly 
presses that stallion button and look at me and then he anticipates and he overtries. At home he's totally waiting for me listening and I can't manufacture that feeling I get at a competition without going out. Mm-hmm. He just suddenly becomes a little inattentive and then he'll pop in 20 more changes or, you know, halfway to the half pass, he'll say, how about a pirouette in the middle of this? So if I, if I take him out, but I don't take him out and pressure him. I take him out and make it a bit of a game, like a little bit of a playful session. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go out and have fun. Yep. Rather than let's go out and ride the most perfect test that we're going to do a mirror image of, you know, next Thursday. I try to take them out and say, isn't this fun? It's exciting to go out. Yes, yes. Like you would with a young child or like if you had a teenager that didn't want to go to a party and was anxious about it, just make it a bit of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Now, the next strategy you've got, number five, is to look after yourself. Can you explain what you mean about that? Well, we often put the horse first. So many people's horses are on 20 supplements. Yep. And then we're having takeaway or frozen dinners. We've got to fuel our body. We've got to take good food. Lots of us don't eat on the morning of the show because we're too nervous. And then we're exhausted. And if it's really hot, you've got to give yourself electrolytes. You've got to get not a good idea to party the night before or a couple yes. of nights before. Get get some decent sleep. And um, just it's just one competition, you know. The, you're only as good as your last win, so yep. it doesn't matter. And everybody's really interested in themselves. Don't be worried that the rest of the world's, you know, watching you. Just do the best you can and it's one step on the journey. Mm-hmm. So take a breath and relax eat well, sleep well, and look after yourself. Yep, yep. All right, now the strategy number six is to have a great team around you or go it alone because everyone says it's great to have a great team around you. It's nice to have a lot of people that want to come along and come to competitions with you, but can you talk a bit about the type of team to have around you and also, too, what happens if you do have to go it alone? If you have to go it alone, plan it and I often have nightmares that I haven't allowed enough time. Mm-hmm. I always try to arrive at the competition an hour and a half before the test, and that's with one horse. That's if, even if I have help, it's an hour and a half. Okay. And I don't warm my horses up for long. I only warm my horses up for 30 minutes. So if you've got a horse that you have to lunge or you have to work for longer, I would allow a longer time to get there. Mm-hmm. So I make sure I've got positive people with me or leave them at home We've all got friends and family that we might love and adore, but they're not the right people on the day because they'll say, that was great, but you want to get back in the hole. Yes. Yeah? We, like I said, it's one step on the journey. Nobody's going to do a perfect test every single time. It's not going to be foot perfect. We'll always be, be disappointed in part of the test. So you've got to be surrounded by people who see the overall picture and say, you survived, you're still on, you know, the yep. horse kept all yep. four feet on the ground. Um, don't worry that it went on the wrong leg, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that's tomorrow's problem. Um, yeah, let's go have a glass of wine and, <laughs> you know, that can sit down and have a picnic with you and, and help you feel positive about the whole experience. Yep, yep. Because after all, for most people, it's their hobby. Mm-hmm. And if it's not their hobby, it's their profession, then 
We spend a lot of money and a lot of time and effort, but it still needs to be enjoyable. Yes. Not a chore. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now, the next strategy is about a plan for your horse. What have you got to say about planning for your horse on the day or planning beforehand? Um, so over the years, I've learned that each individual horse, um, some horses just like the, exactly the same routine and some horses I might need to feed less. When I had Worldwide, he was a very lazy horse, so he had to be fed more and he had to be fed high protein or high energy um, like corn or lupins and he had to have a lunch if it was on <laughs> in the afternoon, like okay. smaller yep. meals. Yep. Um, you know, some horses bloat on certain food. Some horses won't drink the water, so you might want to give them extra electrolytes a couple of days before or take your own water from home or put molasses in the water. Some horses, I am lucky to be sponsored by International Animal Health and I feed my horses soother the night before and on the morning of the show. And I always give them protection, which helps line the stomach and prevents ulcers. You know, and I've had huge success with that. And I'm always saying to them, can you make me a suitor and make yep. me a protection? Um, um, some horses are better to be taken alone. So plan your competitions so you're not taking the buddies together. Other horses work better when their friends are at the show. Mm-hmm. Rolex never would have a pee at a competition. It's very hard riding a Grand Prix test if the horse hasn't peed for 10 hours. Yep. So I taught him to pee before I left. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He, he would pee if I whistled and then gave him a sugar. And it might seem quite silly, but there's no point training your horse for eight years if it can't pee up and do one times because its bladder's full. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've had a horse that you can't open the cab door of the truck you can't catch it, mm, okay. let alone put the back of the truck down. Yep. And and my truck's like 800 metres from the horses. <laughs> but it can and, – and that horse you could catch every day of the week, every day of the year, except for on the day of the show. <laughs> you could open the car door, you could open the feed van door, but you couldn't open the truck cab Kevin. door. <laughs> or you couldn't catch it for like 40 minutes, you know. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Yeah. I'd put a pile of things outside the truck, and once I had the horse loaded on, you know, then I would put everything in. Uh-huh. And you live and learn those things, but yes. you've, you've just you've just got to remember. I've got a young mare now. I lunge her before I go in the halter. Okay. I'll, I'll take a rug off. I'll leave a skinny hood on, and she squeals and bucks and rears and leaps. And sometimes it's three minutes, and sometimes it's twenty minutes. Sometimes I have to hose her because she's dripping with sweat. Mm-hmm. But then she arrives at the show, it's like the balloon's been deflated and she yep. just stands there and eats and is perfect to ride. Okay. And last year I didn't do it. She was five and I thought, oh, well, you're all grown up now. <laughs> <laughs> she was off. She wouldn't eat. She wouldn't drink. She was piaffing at the side of the truck. And I got on and she nearly butted me off about five times. Wow. Went, right, wow. Take, take that three minutes. Do you know what I mean? That just, it's just, just a totally different horse. Yeah. Yep, I, just, yep. I just spin her around on the lunge. Like, I, she's not being formally lunged. She just let the, – the more she wants to gallop, the more I let her gallop. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, yeah, some days there's nothing and some days it's explosive. And sometimes my staff say, we're going to be late. And I said, no, no, this is – This is important. I'm well spent. Yes, I can yes. warm her up 10 minutes less. Yep, 
Um, there's this time well spent. And Mm -hmm. then she arrives and she's totally relaxed. Yep, good. good. So you've just got to to learn learn the horse and, yeah, remember remember the plan. And know, like people, know their personalities. You've got to learn their personalities and then, um, yeah, remember what works. Like learn from the mistakes and Mm -hmm. learn from the successes too. Yep, yep. Now, strategy number eight, you've got a checklist for packing the float or it could be the truck or the trailer. Tell us about that checklist. And do you do it yourself? Do you allow other people to do it and then you check what they've done? What do you normally do? I'm a bit of a control freak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I like doing it myself. Yep. Um, but if I, if I am busy, um, if I've got lessons or I'm away for a clinic or I've got somebody coming to look at a horse for sale, there's always... I might be falling down. Um, so I might have to give somebody else the responsibility. But then I ask and then I always open all the cupboard doors and do a quick whiz round because I have arrived without a girth. Mm. I'm lucky I've got a truck. I think for people nowadays, most people have tack boxes, which makes it a lot easier. But when people used to have to pack their car from scratch, then it's really easy to to leave things behind like yep. in my truck I've got cupboards so I always have a first aid kit and towels and hoof oil and planning gear and the saddlecloths are already there mm-hmm. um, I like to have things really organised so I have each horse has its own saddlecloth with the numbers embroidered on because that just takes another 5-10 minutes putting your numbers on changing yes. your numbers and, it's the, and then each saddlecloth on the inside has the horse's name written so that you don't get if somebody else is selling the horse up for you you don't put the wrong numbers on the wrong horse yes and like I was saying earlier about look after yourself try not to leave everything to the last minute I try when I get back from the last show to wash everything straight away and then in the next week I like I don't I don't iron anything to go out to dinner in my only ironing is horse competition such a horse person (laughs) (laughs) So if I get the ironing board out, I will iron six shirts. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I'll iron yep. all my stocks, all my shirts, and they'll all go in the cupboard, mm-hmm. ready to go. Yep. And yep. I always have spare in in my truck. I've always got spare socks. Mm-hmm. You just you learn the things you forget. Yep. Um, curb chains are easy to drop off a double bridle. I now get a pair of pliers and shut one of the link, um, the little hooks. So yep. it's very Stays hard, on. but I always have a spare curb chain. I always have a spare nose band. Mm-hmm. I always have a spare lead and halter in case a horse pulls back. Mm-hmm. Just simple little things like that that it's you know that you you just can't do without. Yes, if yes. you arrive, and it's experience, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah, experience yeah. that you've said right. Next time I'm going to take socks because I forgot them this time. Next time I'll <laughs> take this. Yeah. Yeah, riding all day in 40 degrees and no socks, it's not, it's not fun. Yes, yes. I can tell you. Especially yeah. if you've got so, to go the next day and put your boots on again, even if you've got socks the next day. You know, by the time you put all the Band-Aids on with the socks on top, yeah. it's not the same. No, not good, no. <laughs> no. All right. Now, tell us about fitness. You've got a strategy now, be fit, make sure your horse is fit, and that's strategy number nine. Tell us about fitness in preparation for the competition. Any tips that you've got along that line as well? Riding a dressage test, some people say it was only six minutes, you know, and 
especially people who aren't riders at all or even people who are just casual riders. But riding six minutes at your best is very different. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of years ago having a lesson with Stefan Wolf and I was preparing for one of the young horse tests and he said, I don't care how fit you are, you need to come out of that test heaving. Yep. I don't care who you are as a rider, that's how hard you have to work in that test. I remember the first time I rode the Grand Prix special. It's totally different to the Grand Prix. I got to the walk and I thought, thank goodness, I think I need an oxygen mask. <laughs> like I was like gasping for breath at the walk. And then once you've ridden it six times, you get in the flow of it. And and I think also when we compete, we tend a lot of us tend to hold our breath and the, just the tension in our body from the adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So... You've got to be fit the drive. Like, well, you might drive two hours and you might drive 10 hours. You've got to be fit for that. You've got to be mentally fit to remember the test and be sharp and that you, the horse might be a bit more on its toes to be able to re- react with that. To interact, the social interaction is sometimes exhausting at a show, like especially like a CDI and stuff. Um, there's lots of drinks and dinners and... You know, and it's it's easy to sit in your truck at night and drink with everybody. Yep. <laughs> if yep. you're going to do that, then you've got to be able to have less sleep and cope. Yep. Your horse has to be cardio fit, strong. It has to be. You don't want to get halfway through the test and feel like you're carrying the horse around, or vice versa, the horse is carrying you around. Yep. Yep. Um, I had seven months off last year from a couple of accidents and I'm riding nine horses a day and recently I've started competing again and it will only be one or two horses and I can feel that I'm not fit enough mm-hmm. even though I'm riding nine horses a day. It's yep. just a totally different fitness and, and I do I have an exercise bike and I keep saying I must get on the exercise <laughs> bike and do 10 kilometres every night but I keep coming in and I'm too exhausted. But... Yeah, at the end of the competition, I'm like, yeah, I'm shattered. Yep. Because it's a total, it's a, it's a different sort of fitness. You mm-hmm. have, you, you can't be too fit. Your horse can be too fit, but you can't be too yep. fit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the sharp horses can be too fit. <laughs> yes. But a lazy horse, you have to get it super, super fit. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the last strategy that we're talking about is uh, you've got let go when things go wrong. Would you like to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think that's important, and it's it's coming a bit more into sports psychology. That yes, and I think it sounds like you're talking from experience there too. So yeah, <laughs> if you can talk about it. a bit like what went in the first one when I said if if you make an error, you can lose momentum. If if something goes completely pear shaped in the test, the horse leap gets a fright or takes off or you know rears or bucks or something, let it go. And and my sort of motto is if I just got a four or two. I now need to get an eight. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't dwell on it and, and ride the next four movements going, I, I just got three for that movement. Oh, my God, I've stuffed it up. <laughs> you know, I can't win now. You've got to go, and now I need an eight and another eight and another eight. Mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. got to get more positive from the negative. Yep. Um, and there's so many things that can go wrong. There can be a traffic jam on the way. It can be windy or cold or wet or can be a judge you don't like or the best course rider combination straight before you and you think, you know, there's lots of things out of your control. You've just got to breathe and let go 
and and I think I'm gradually getting better with this with age. But I think <laughs> in my twenties, yeah, I it was all always. It's not fair, you know. It's not perfect day. It's not my best judge, you know. I'm on first. It is what it is. It, there are things you can't change, and even if something goes wrong, just breathe, exhale. I say to a lot of my clients, sigh, imagine you've just had four vodkas. Like if your horse doesn't want to walk in the free walk, holding your breath and getting tenser, just sort of go, oh, well, we're going for a cruise down the beach. Yep. Just exhale, let it all go. And because you see so many horse riders can't do a walk in a test and then they leave the test, so they do a nine-four walk <laughs> on the way out. Yeah. It's yeah. because it's all over. Mm. Yeah, and and often if there's a movement that is difficult, I say to my clients, breathe through it or sigh before you do it. Like if you come into pirouette and you have a problem with it or you come into temperature changes, like exhale really heavily before you start and then that, that'll make sure that you take another breath because if you hold your breath, then you're going to get lightheaded and not be strong enough to do it. And if you breathe, the horse is more likely to breathe. Okay. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right. Look, all good strategies, all, all ones that are important for dressage competitors. Can we just go over and sum them up a bit, Claire? We're going to have them available. We'll have them available at horsechats.com slash Claire Wickens 2, but we'll also have them about, if you just go to horsechats.com and search for Claire, you'll find them anyway. So we'll go back. Now, number one was learn the test backwards. Yeah, nobody wants to make an error. Um, it's really hard to get the momentum back and it costs you too many marks. Yes. Okay. All right. Practice the test. Run around in your garden, in your bedroom. <laughs> Um, I, I sometimes draw it in, on the shower wall, on the shower screen when I'm in the shower. You know, just um, – and if you can ride another horse, practice it as many times, bits and pieces, till you know it inside That's out. Good. All right, and don't try too hard and then cook the horse, yeah. Yeah, enjoy it. And um, sometimes just take your horse out for a trail ride the day before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like you're sitting in an exam. Don't put all the pressure on. Yeah, yep, breathe yep. through it, relax, enjoy it. Good, good. All right, and strategy number four is take your horse out the week before, have a practice run. Yeah, this varies on different horses. Some horses you might need to do it multiple times. Mm-hmm. But I like to take them out, have a bit of fun, not not take them out and have pressure, but go out and have a good time. So oh. that every not every time they get on the float is a competition, it's stressful. Yep, good. All right, strategy number five, look after yourself. Yeah, um, make sure you get a good night's sleep. Make sure you fuel your body up, have plenty to drink and good food to eat. Good, good. All right, then we talked about strategy number six, great team around you will go it alone, but you talked a bit about the people not to include in your team, not (laughs) to have at competitions. Yeah, um, surround yourself with positive people and um, try and leave the negative people at home and, and have a really positive network that can support you in a great way. Yep. All right. Strategy number eight was the checklist for packing the float or the truck or the trailer. 
Yeah, just be really organised and don't leave everything to the last minute and try to have a couple spare things which are common to forget and, yeah, then it just helps the day go a bit more smoothly. All right. Now, number nine was even though the test may only go for what seems a few minutes, be fit and make sure your horse is. Yeah, it's surprising how taxing riding a test and trying to get the best out of yourself and the horse is and the adrenaline and the the pressure. So I don't believe the rider can be too fit. And, um, yeah, just get yourself, your muscles strong and really cardio fit too. Okay. And mentally fit. Yes, yes, and to let go. Now, strategy number 10 was to let go when things go wrong. Yeah. If something goes wrong in an individual movement, let go, move on to the next one and make the next one better. And there's so many things out of our control, you know, just breathe through them. It's one day in a big journey, in a big picture. And I like the attitude was, you know, and now I need an eight. <laughs> yes, you know, I've just I got a two, well, yeah, now I need an eight, yep. I went to, I was lucky enough to go to Wimbledon a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. I read Andre Agassi's book on the plane on the way over. Yep. And he changed coaches and the coach said, the problem is you try to get an ace every single time. And I used this for what, in a lot, lot of times teaching and I said, so what the coach said was to stay in the game, all you have to do is get the ball over the net. Mm-hmm. And that's what I say to my clients, right, let's go out and just get it. The minimum mark is a six. Yep. I don't want you to get, I said, I'm not really interested in all the eights and stuff. I do not want a mark lower than six. Mm-hmm. And if we can get through the test at the minimum mark of six, then we say four months later, the minimum mark is 6.5. Yep. And then and we keep going like that because people are aiming for the eights, and that's great, but there's no point in getting an eight if you then get a four yep. because you're back to six. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or getting an eight and then getting a two. Mm-hmm. So if we can say, like I've I've got one horse whose walk is not terrific, but I can get a seven for that horse's walk. Mm-hmm. Right, so okay. if it's worse movement, I can get a seven. Yep. Then you're doing all right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and and that's what what you have to just start to think. Just keep the ball in the court. Just keep it ticking over because okay. there's a lot of horses now. Like think of Allegro. It wasn't the most spectacular horse as a young horse. It is just beautifully classically trained and goes correctly. Mm-hmm. Can't then it, they can't mark you down. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Claire, before we go or before we even talk about your contact details, would you like to mention your sponsors? Yeah, um, I'm sponsored by Peter Nelson. He made me a beautiful saddle for T.S. Wicket mm-hmm. by International Animal Health and Baristock Horse Feeds also support me. Okay, brilliant. Now, Claire, if people would like to talk to you, how can they contact you? I'm currently getting a new website done. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that'll be up and running shortly. What's the name of the new website? If it's not there now, we'll put it on your page anyway. It'll be clairewickens.com.au. Yep. I have a Facebook account, Claire Wickens, and also a business one that's Tennyson Stud. And I have a, just started a new Instagram. And now you can ask me what that is. <laughs> Whatever it is, we'll put it on your page. So if you do, if you're not sure, just send it. Send it to us. CS yeah. Stud, I think, because we couldn't get Tennyson Stud. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you can find me in all those places. 
Wonderful. All right. Great talking to you today, Claire. We'd love to talk to you some other time in the future. And you've got a wealth of knowledge there about dressage, you know, dressage competitions, but it goes much more beyond that. So hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks, Glenis. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 